Like, I'm getting bored, man. It's like... See, that's my favorite soup, other than uh, I do like chili. I don't know if that's a soup or... I don't know. It's always yeah. one of those weird conversations of, yeah. like, is it a chili or is it a soup? But... Welcome to this episode of the Voice Podcast, the podcast for students by students. Today, uh, your host is Alisa and myself, Sean, and we have a guest who is one of the most fun-loving persons on the campus. He is always having a smile, having a positive energy. I introduce to you students, so ladies and gentlemen, Jaden Hook. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you for having me on here. You're most welcome. And can you introduce you to us? So what is your role at uh, St. Lawrence College? And what do you do in every day in that role, please? Yeah, of course. So uh, like like they said, my name is Jaden Hook, and I'm the sustainability officer here at St. Lawrence College. Uh, I'm also a faculty advisor for the Enactus St. Lawrence College team. And basically what my role is, is to engage students with sustainability uh, and promote sustainable actions here at on the campus. So both in kind of operations, so making sure our campus is recycling properly, but also doing fun community initiatives. And uh, so is it more of a, it's something which is of a club here at SLC or is it both a full-time role which you have? Yeah, so Footprint's really that uh, a really nice mix of being a, a club of the student association, but also being part of the sustainability operations here at the campus. So it's really a good place for students to have direct kind of uh, say and kind of, we'll say, engagement on on how the campus is running sustainably. And uh, how, how much would you say, like, uh, how long has this club been at St. Lawrence College, please? Yeah, from, from my knowledge, the club's been around since around 2012, 2013-ish. Um, that's, that's what my impression is. That's from a little bit before my time. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I've been told. And, and how long have you been uh, here, like a uh, sustainability officer for SLC Footprint? I've actually been just the sustainability officer for the last... Uh, I started late August, so I'm oh, fairly new into yeah. the role. But uh, in 2018, I was actually the sustainability marketing assistant uh, when I was a, when I was a student studying here at St. Lawrence College. So I've been around Footprint mm -hmm. for a couple of years now, uh, and I've done a lot of community projects with them. So the the role is new, but the the work is not new. All right, so so you know pretty much what comes around at the club, and I think Aliza has some marvelous questions for you coming up. So Aliza, where would you love to ask Jade? Okay, let's start with what is the main goal of the Footprint Club? Yeah, so the main goal of the Footprint Club is to really make students the focal point of our sustainability plan. So really getting students engaged with both projects, but also making the physical changes here at the campus. A lot of the things that I've seen be implemented over the last few years have been really student ideas moving, you know, moving through the kind of, uh, you know, chain of, of getting things done. And so that's really our goal with Footprint is to really give students that platform to make the, their campus more sustainable. So, you know, most students want to do that. So it's kind of just giving them that opportunity and platform. That's good. Can you give a couple of examples what students' ideas were implemented on campus? Yeah, of course. So, so a few of those ideas really come around with, you know, uh, projects like our winter coat drive was created by a student that started way before me. Uh, 
uh, our Halloween Harvest programming, which we do in partnership with an active St. Lawrence College. Uh, our e-waste programming was, was started from a bunch of students and uh, the old sustainability manager. So that's kind of a really good project of looking at, you know, what can we do from an internal standpoint? And then can we also add an element to the community to it? Uh, so those are some really good examples of some community-driven uh, sustainability initiatives. And uh, can you elaborate more about Halloween Harvest? I think Halloween is approaching much, and I think students would love to know what Halloween Harvest is all about. Yeah, yeah. Halloween Harvest really is a good way of kind of encompassing sustainability with community and also kind of social causes. So uh, Halloween Harvest, in an essence, is a community food drive. So it's in partnership with uh, the CICE student program, uh, Partners in Mission Food Banks, and a plenty of other partners that I'm going to miss here. Uh, but mostly it's an Actus and Footprint students uh, on St. Lawrence College campus. Generally it's Kingston, but there is going to be an element in Brockville and Cornwall campuses as well, uh, where we are basically collecting food bank items. So in the past, it's been a lot of non-perishables, but it's also going to be hygiene products. So, you know, really understanding, um, and that's students looking at, oh, is there another opportunity to create impact? Oh, well, food banks really need, you know, shampoo, toothpaste, you know, these basic hygiene products. A lot of people, you know, toothpaste can get pretty pricey up there. So, you know, it's it's really looking at that and then working around the college and also the community and just simply collecting those things, getting people, you know, aware of it. So there's a lot of marketing communication challenges with that as well. Uh, most of it is just setting up in the cafeteria where there's a lot of foot traffic and, we usually get dressed up, do some Halloween decorations, have some candy available. You know, it's really a kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> I read on this one. Should be good. Um, so it's a really good way for students to get engaged. It happens every single day. So it gives, you know, to, you know, some students can only engage as much as their, their school schedules or their work sure. schedules are able. But Halloween Harvest is a really cool project because you know, happening every single day, usually you have one day available where you can, you can kind of get involved. So it's a really good project for, you know, usually we get about 30 students engaged in that project to kind of help and um, jump in for that volunteering. And how, how many students, and how many days you say, like it runs on various days, so how many days does this usually run? Yeah, so this year we're going to start on October 11th, so the day after Hall or, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, and we're going to go all the way until the 29th, I believe, which is the Friday. Uh, and then on Halloween, we're actually going to go uh, out in the community, we're going to be dressed up, and we're going to, you know, go basically door to door, kind of basically doing trick or treat, but with food bank uh, donation items. And any costume you have planned for this Halloween? I usually keep myself pretty open. Uh, in yeah. the past, I've been, uh, we do have a, you know, a, a soup can uh, costume. So I, I, at times, have been known to wear that soup can costume. I'm sure if you check out the Instagram pages of Anactus and Footprint, you'll probably see a couple videos or pictures of me in that costume. Um, I don't really have a costume idea yet, but I'm, yeah. I'm definitely open to suggestions. What could be a broccoli? <laughs> I could be broccoli, yeah. Could be a tree. Yeah. Could be I, something right now. Like, yeah. uh, I would love to dress as a broccoli. No, no way. <laughs> and uh, so what's next coming up? Adisa, what do you, would you do love you to Do you have a favorite initiative that you implement? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I've always been quite fond of the electronic waste initiative. Um, maybe that's just top of mind. We actually did a, a collection and pickup uh, this past Thursday. 
So yes. maybe it's just really top of mind and I, I got to see the students really get engaged, but that's a project that, uh, you know, it seems kind of really simple. It's just, you know, collecting, you know, you know, if it's a community drive, it's, it's really reaching out to the community to see, Hey, do you have old TVs or what's in your basement? Or, you know, do you have old phones? You know, you've got like five phones at home that you have, don't know where to, uh, you know, dispose of them. So it's really a good, you know, fun activity to do collecting all of those things, but even internally. So, you know, when we have, uh, you know, upgrades to different computers, or let's say someone's computer doesn't work anymore, or, you know, a mic doesn't work, for example, um, it's really nice to know that across our three campuses, we have an option that, you know, it's going to be refurbished, repurposed for, uh, you know, within our own kind of ecosystem. And it's always a project that, you know, we usually get a lot of volunteers for, so you can really see kind of, you know, almost a good like a teamwork train of, you know, passing one item off to the other. So a really fun project. It's It can be a little, you know, your back gets sore a little bit, especially with the big gold TVs with the, you know, the three feet of uh, back on them. Yeah, really well. You know, a lot of teamwork, a lot of health and safety yeah. stuff that you need to do, but, but it's a really fun project. Halloween Harvest is always one that's up there. And then same with the winter coat drive. So it's really, I really tend to really get into the, you know, high volunteer, you know, high engagement kind of projects. Those are kind of my favorite because I see people coming together um, to, you know, work on a community issue. So, uh, yeah, I'd say those ones would be my my favorite. That sounds cool. It really is like, uh, what's a, what's a winter code actually? Like winter is coming also. So what is it all about? Yeah. So How is it different from the others? Yeah. So winter coat drive really is kind of, kind of taking the model of Halloween harvest and just applying it to kind of winter coats, but also accessories and kind of boots and stuff like that. So um, in the past, there's always been different organizations that we've worked with for the winter coat drive. But you know, even uh, a few years ago, I believe in 2019, there was an idea to work uh, with the international office for uh, when students come in January and, and uh, it's very cold here in January. So if you're coming here, you might not have a winter coat for those first week or, yeah. or two weeks. So it's really, you know, we donate some coats and, and different things there just to, you know, until they find a coat that they really like or, or stuff like that. So really a winter coat drive is just, um, you know, collecting different uh, you know, scarves, boots, gloves, mitts, coats, uh, coats especially, and then we donate them to different areas that need them. That's actually very noble because like, I cannot imagine winter without having the proper dress to have, uh, the proper clothes that fit. Like I myself going to experience my first winter here, so it's going to be very much of a challenge. But I, I guess I'm ready. I guess I'm ready. For You're ready. Oh, I I think so. That's one hundred percent. I think it's but... it's cold. It's cold. Yeah, it's cold. But I'm sure you'll be able to handle it. It's all right. And uh, one thing, uh, like last week, there was uh, like those posts on Instagram about collecting computers and stuff like that. So how, where, if I were, I'm a student, I'm basically like, where do I dispose of them? Actually, I tomorrow mm -hmm. I have a huge PC, a huge CPU. Also my phone, I have three phones in my drawers. So where do I dispose of them at SLC? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you want to dispose of any of those electronics, um, we are we actually have a giant bin right in our IT and it's across all three campuses. So in IT, you'll see this kind of gray bin. It'll be, you know, I've got to replace some yeah. of the marketing stuff on there. You know, it's kind of, 
you know, gone off, but there's a um, nice clear signage of what we accept for electronic waste. Basically anything not kitchen appliance uh, yeah. due to the heating element. So no microwaves mm -hmm. or, or anything else like that. I am looking at how we can properly do that specifically with kind of residents. Mm -hmm. uh, but for now, we only collect, you know, computer basically think what what's in a computer office. Sure. And uh, I have another question, which is uh, all those free projects, how would you say they've been effective and progressing since the past years, especially during the pandemic? How do you see it? How effective was it? Yeah, yeah. So so you're asking, were we able to do those projects in the pandemic? Yeah. 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 So so the electronic waste project, um, you know, because there's both the community e-waste drive, but there's also kind of the internal collection. Um, for the internal, because no one was here on campus, we didn't have a ton of, yeah. you know, there was no electronic waste there. Um, we did do our first kind of getting back into it, you know, electronic waste community drive back in, I want to say March, but it might have been April of this year. Uh, and that way we had about, uh, I think the number was uh, about 200 cars come through uh, with uh, electronics. And we did basically, we filled a whole shipping container full of um you know, old TVs, stuff like that. And a lot of our feedback was that they were really waiting for this because it's been a couple of years since we've done a community e-waste drive. So there was a lot of, back, as they would say, a backload of uh, things in the basement that they were waiting to properly dispose of. Um, Halloween Harvest, we uh, still did last year. Uh, so in October 2021, we still were able to do kind of a, you know, uh, a project over that month. Due to there not being as many people on campus, it wasn't as successful as normal years, but we still, I believe we collected uh, 700 food items and we uh, raised about $500 in cash that was kind of distributed kind of uh, five different primary spots, BSA Food Bank being one of them. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just having like, you know, even uh, during the midst of the pandemic, people, students of SLC being actively contributing. And I think for this year, by the end of this year, we're going to have much, much more in terms of effectiveness of those campaigns. We have waste bins all around the campus mm -hmm. with like plant fill and glass and plastic. Where are they going? So all this collected waste, do you send it to organization what do you do with them? yeah our our organizations that we work with it's uh it's called enviro 360 and so those are kind of waste management partners um they kind of are all over the place to deal with a lot of colleges and universities across canada um i do want to touch on one thing of like we also do find uh we finally have implemented uh it's called front of house composting so on a lot of those especially in the food um, you know, high food traffic areas. So the cafeteria mostly, uh, there's an option for compost that we, uh, that we're just implementing. This is kind of our first term that we're bringing in. So we're really excited to see how that, uh, diverts waste from the landfill and into compost. Uh, in the last couple of years, I think, uh, we've all heard the phrase like eco-friendly lifestyle a lot. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Well, for you particularly. Yeah. So for me particularly, it's really looking at, you know, kind of, I like looking at systems and behavior. So, you know, not just telling people, hey, you need to be more eco-friendly, but making it easy and accessible for people and also affordable. That's a big part. You know, sustainability yeah. is not just the green element. It's also a social element. 
and also the affordability. You know, no one can do that option if it's way too expensive. Uh, so you really need to make that easy for them. So uh, how I kind of look at eco-friendly lifestyle is really looking at the small things in your life that you can change. So, you know, if you're a coffee drinker and like, like myself, so, you know, that's using our reusable mug program. So how we try to make that more affordable is you save 10 cents off every coffee. Uh, as someone who's probably about three coffees a day, um, 30 cents a day for over a whole semester, like that adds up to a, a decent amount of money uh, that I look almost as that's free money almost. Um, Cause I'm gonna drink coffee anyways. I have a reusable mug already. You usually get them gifted out a lot of the times, especially myself. Uh, so that's one way to really look at that. But it's also looking at your consumption habits. You know, if you need to go clothes shopping, it's, you know, do you need to go to this, you know, fast fashion outlet or can you maybe go to a thrift store? So it's really looking at options and evaluating those options. Doesn't mean you're a bad person if you choose this outlet. Sometimes it's more affordable and it's it's easier on your time. Um, that's another thing is try not to feel awful about it. Um, and but really just evaluate your options and make, you know, the pros and cons of each. You know, if you're going downtown, especially as students, do you need to drive there or can you take the bus even if you're not an avid bus goer? So it's really just looking and evaluating options and, you know, is one that's the more sustainable option the better and more easily accessible or do you just want to do it for that time so it's really just looking at your options i think is is a good way to become more eco-friendly you know look at everything that you're consuming and seeing if there's a better option for that i've heard from a couple of people i guess i can say from many people uh, they have this three points of view so the first one is that uh to be more sustainable, it's either more expensive, way more expensive sometimes, or it's it means losing in comfort. So I need to lose my comfort, basically, to be more sustainable. Then the second thought is that I know that people won't do that. And then the third thought is that, well, if I know that most of people won't do that, then why would I do that? What to say? What can I say? For those people i don't know how to explain it to them yeah that's a that's really the hard that's really the big question there for behavior so you know it's really like if you want to kind of provide that as an advice just say you know one person doing it but 10 people not doing it almost discredits that one person doing it in the same sense of you know we are a collective we all live in the same society we live in the same system so think of it as this you know, students here on campus. So if we have, uh, we'll say a hundred students that are recycling perfectly, um, but the rest of the students are not recycling at all, not even imperfectly. Um, that makes those hundred students almost not, like it still matters, it's still there, but I would rather kind of an old saying is, um, we don't need, you know, 7 billion people recycling and being eco-friendly perfectly. We need that many people doing it imperfectly. You know, every little effort and, and trying your best and getting to that point um, is really kind of where we can get going. And then you can kind of build off of that. Um, really, and for the kind of, uh, you know, it's more uh, expensive or more, um, yeah, kind of less comfort. I would say, you know, avoid the fads. There's a lot of fads out there, um, but a lot of sustainability can be boiled down to a lot of 
you know, looking at things that I'd say differently, um, like, like the bus program. So, you know, that's, that's more affordable than driving your car right now because it's part of your tuition. It's already been paid for. It's already kind of there. So that's an option of getting around, especially, you know, I'm not a car driver, but I know gas, gas prices are pretty high and I know insurance can be really high for a lot of students out there. So, um, well, insurance, they have to pay anyways, but, um, but I know gas is really expensive. So that's a way of, you know, not every sustainability option is pricier, um, but definitely avoid some of the fads that just use, you know, marketing keywords to try and get you to buy this really green product, but it may be not the best product or even the most, um, convenient product. And uh, so how, speaking of fat, how, because green eco-friendly is very much now a selling point for anyone who mm -hmm. wants to go into business now needs to have an environmental assessment plan, you know, how they're going to contribute to the planet being more eco-friendly and sustainable. And do you think like uh, how as a student, can I differentiate, because I don't know much about it, how can I differentiate between a fad product or a really eco-friendly product? And yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think really looking at, um, this is where critical thinking really builds into it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of products out there that say, oh, it's, uh, you know, eco-friendly or, uh, you know, this is made from recycled materials. You know, some of that is going to be correct. I know a lot of companies do that authentically, um, but it does come down to a little bit of research and kind of looking at the products yourself and seeing is that, you know, where is it located on the packaging? You know, if it's located on the back where the nutrition facts is, generally that's going to be a little bit more because that's where certifications would go. Um, and really, yeah, look at the certifications, you know, you and do your research on which certifications are We'll say the most genuine or authentic to being uh you know the most sustainable or eco-friendly um yeah i would definitely look at certifications uh and seeing if they're they're just saying it or if they have hey this is approved and certified by this organization because that means there's only uh there's almost a third party um saying yes this is a sustainable product and it's not just the people selling it trying to use it as a keyword yeah. kind of thing so that's a one way <clears throat> Sorry, my voice there. Uh, that's one way to really identify different kind of products. And also, like, speaking about student lifestyle being eco-friendly, uh, students uh, uh, sometimes you know, have a very tight budget. So how in my everyday day-to-day -day basis without affecting a huge chunk of my budget, can I contribute to a small sustainable living? apart from bus driving and also like, uh, is there any other ways of thrift shopping? Yeah. Thrift shopping is a yeah. great way. Um, you know, taking the bus is another great way. It also kind of can save you money. Uh, if you, if you don't pay utilities, uh, well, e even if you do pay, uh, don't pay utilities, uh, you should still watch your energy usage. Um, you know, do you need to have a 45 minute shower or can that be a 30 minute shower? Um, you know, how are you doing the dishes? Are you just leaving the water running on for the entire time? Or are you filling up the sink first and then doing it that way? Um, how many times are you using a dishwasher, uh, laundry? Uh, and also if you do pay for utilities and kind of laundry, um, and it's not like a, and it's an in-house unit, um, look at specific times that 
our lower cost energy uh, times on the uh, in the city. So generally, I think in Kingston, uh, I believe, I believe, I you know, please uh, please verify this for yourselves. Um, but I believe after 7 p.m., if you have an in-house laundry unit and you pay for energy, uh, that's the most optimal time to do your kind of laundry uh, from a cost savings benefit. So really looking at those. I believe it's 7 p.m. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but again, please, please verify that. I don't want to tell everyone that, but I believe that's from living here most of my life. I think that's the the time element. Um, but yeah, even just even if you are an inclusive uh, space, like always looking at how can you, you know, can you, you know, sit in your room without lights on, basically, and if there's enough natural light or... Yeah, just just looking at small little ways to to make a contribution there. Did I answer your question, or did I kind of go around uh, it there? It's you know like also like because uh, sustainability comes with a price. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like some students live on a tight budget of eight hundred, one thousand dollars. Sometimes even the food is like you know like eating organically, for example, mm-hmm. fresh is pretty difficult. Is there a way without trying to upscale the budget in that I can consume? something healthy without breaking the bank. Yeah, yeah. So food is a hard one. That's a tricky Mm -hmm. one, Miss, because everyone's diets are different. And, you know, where you're buying it is also different. So, you know, I don't have a ton of of suggestions when it comes to how do you buy things more affordably. It is is a big waste. I would say maybe, you know, to avoid food waste and to also avoid money waste, uh, they usually go hand in hand. you know, really look at portions and what you're buying. So I do this a lot with, uh, I think the best example is bananas. So I love bananas, uh, but I'm the only one in my house that eats them. So when I go to buy them, we usually go grocery shopping every kind of week and a half, two weeks. I look to buy enough for what I would eat in that time frame. Am I going to have a banana every single day though? Probably not. I'll get sick of bananas, even though they're my favorite fruit. So I'll buy like four or five and then not buy the giant bushels of, yeah. we'll say 10, because um, I don't need 10 bananas. That's just not what I'm able to eat. Um, so that could be a way of looking at especially fruit and vegetables. Um, you know, sometimes you can get, um, and I do this all the time, I'll see, you know, mushrooms, for example, be like, hey, this is, if you buy two packs, it's mm-hmm. only four bucks or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's a yeah. deal. But a lot of the times I'm not going to finish both buckets of mushrooms by the time they go bad. So that's food waste and money waste. Even if it's only a dollar, when I do that every single time, though, that's going to, uh, again, add up. And and when you are a student, I was a student for five years. I kind of have a, and fairly recently, I I do know it does add up in the long run. Um, Other food, uh, kind of food ways of, you know, avoiding, you know, well, I don't. Do you have any tips? I think uh, I have this thing recently, this idea which sparked in my mind when I, we were preparing for that subject was how about establishing a food trade system? You know, like if I bought something and I'm not essentially going to use it, then I realize, oh, I don't like that. I wanted to try this, but how if there's someone else who would love to try it and they have something they don't want to eat, so we can trade it at the end of the day so it's like a bit of a barter system bring mm-hmm. it back that way so that's most miss uh, 
I do love I do love a good barter system, and I yeah. think maybe that's something that could be done, especially at residence, maybe. Yeah. Um, where it's very close proximity with each other, but even in in very student um, centered communities, I think there could be something set up there. Um, again, how that could look, I don't know. That could be. Um, something to test out. It so. could almost be like a little market every Sunday at residence or something like that, yeah. where it's like, hey, I got these strawberries, they're not yeah. bad, but. I'm not going to eat them or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, that could be a good way. Um, I do want to also end off by saying, you know, if you're looking to help, you know, save some money and, you know, especially if you're in, you know, especially if you're struggling financially, but even if you're not make use of stu uh, of food banks, um, don't, don't, uh, you know, view them as just like kind of a last resort. They can be something. Yeah. The SA has a great food yeah. bank and pantry. Um, so, so please make use of that, especially if you're struggling financially. Um, yeah, that's, that's one thing I just want to highlight is, is make use of those resources that are already there and, and don't look down upon them almost, you know, they're there for people, um, and are donated by other people. So it's, you know, kind of like that barter system idea, but, um, but yeah, I do love the barter system idea. I might have to look into that. Um, something a which, food swap almost yeah food swap you know it's more of a friend because yesterday my friend i have a friend who lives nearby and she gave me like i don't eat tilapia so basically what i do is i order from walmart because i don't mm -hmm. have time so i ordered salmon but they gave me like two bags of tilapia which i don't like eating tilapias because they are like you know uh grown into harvesting and clothes but my friend loves them and she actually went to, to the sunday market and she had a lot of radish so basically I told her, but uh, I'm going to give you this tilapia. And she gave me like those radish. And I was like, oh, but you didn't need to. But when this idea came into my mind, you know, we're just friends, you know, we don't care about the cost of the money, basically. I don't care the radish or cheaper or my tilapias are more expensive. It's more of this exchange of mm -hmm. you know, you're doing something sustainable, but you're also creating a relationship with someone, you know, you're building a bond, you're having a friendly conversation. So I think like, combining that human relation, social aspect, as on with sustainability, saving food, saving money, is basically four, four bullets into one, four targets into one shot. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a good way. Just some people might be a bit unfair into it. They might abuse of it. So just in the future to implement that, I think having a system of regulation, which would, hey, this equates a bit to this, the market values that. So mm -hmm. maybe something more uh, regulated, but in between friends, what you can do is just, hey, I'm not eating this, so you can have this, it will save you one meal. One meal can be five to six dollars cooking. So adding up, uh, you do this like three, four times per month, $20, it's a ticket of cinema if you want to watch movies. So yeah, yeah so it's all this little thing can save up a budget yeah. also, and it's sustainable. Exactly. Uh, mostly. I know I did that actually this past Friday where um, me and my partner, we ordered food and we live with another roommate and I know I couldn't finish my meal. So I offered it to, to my roommate as like, Hey, do you want to kind of finish this for me? Yeah. Or, or, uh, cause I knew I wasn't, um, wasn't going to be able to f eat it. And it wasn't the kind of food that's really yeah. good for leftovers. Yeah. Um, that's another good way of, of eating sustainably is, is looking at what could be really good for leftovers. And I know with it kind of being a little bit colder now, fall season, yeah. winter, uh, make use of soups. I know those are a really good way of, um, you know, soup heats up really well in a microwave or, or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'm a big, big soup Super, guy. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. soup. So I'm, I'm more like, uh, if I do soup, it will be unhealthy. 
I love cream, like, you know, rich cream, like cauliflower cream yeah. or mushroom, creamy soups. Oh my God, like onion soup, onion garlic. Oh my God. Like it's All very rich, but it's stuff. like high in calories. I'm like, this is not a soup. This is just like basically cream, cheese, and everything. This soup become very savory. You gotta mix it up a little bit here and there. You gotta mix yeah. it up, but yeah, yeah. I'm more of a steamer guy. Like mm -hmm. I steam my veggies mostly. Yep. Yeah, that's a great yeah. way. I love. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So that's mostly. Like you said, broccoli at the beginning. Broccoli, broccoli yeah. is one of my favorite vegetables, so I love steamed broccoli. It's, it's just filling, you know. Like it's when you eat it, it it's just filling, and also the taste is not bad. It's like it has a quite good taste, you know. You just squeeze some lemon on it uh, mm -hmm. with some rice vinegar. I guess you're pretty good as well. <laughs> and you have a good meal, I guess, with that. Uh, just turn that dash of acidity. Yeah. How about you, Alisa? Any particular vegetable you're, you're a fan of? I love broccoli. Broccoli? Hey, okay. this is team broccoli. <laughs> and I also love cream of mushroom soup. Oh, wow. Cream of mushroom. Yeah. It is. Finally, is someone to appreciate my taste of, <laughs> of soup. You know, like, oh, no, but soup. I have a friend, she loves lentil soup, I say. Mm -hmm. I like lentils. It's it's cheap. Mm -hmm. It's protein. It's pretty good meal to have. But I'm like, do I need to eat this all like thirty spoons of that? Like I'm getting bored, man. It's like see, that's <laughs> my favorite soup. Other than uh, I do like chili. I don't know if that's a soup or I don't know. It's always yeah. one of those weird conversations of yeah. like, is it a chili or is it a soup? But I'd say it's more of a chili. But I don't know. It's an interesting look. It's at. a spicy soup. In yeah. Kind of and it's more rich also, chili, like a bit more oil into it. Could but... almost be classified as a stew. Stew, uh... <laughs> I, I would I would put it as a stew. Yeah. Definitely more into soup. It's soup. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to combine both words, but anyway, so this is <laughs> getting weird again on camera. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, so basically, I have one question. Though, mm -hmm. Like, uh, how did that passion for, you know, hey, I'm going to live a sustainable lifestyle? When did that bell ring to you? Hey, I need to change my lifestyle. Honestly, it's it's was never one change or one thing. It's just kind of when I was, you know, I probably want to say 10, 11, 12. I've, I've just always yeah. known about, um, you know, at the time it was more known as global warming, but kind yeah, of climate, yeah. uh, but like climate change. Uh, and so I've always wanted to do you know, things around that. That's what I actually, I use that kind of passion for working on climate, you know, doing climate action projects, coming to school even. Um, that's what helped guide me, uh, my program of what I chose and kind of where I want to take my kind of career and uh, who I want to work with, basically. So I wouldn't say it was one thing. I'd say it was, you know, I, I'd say if anything, I probably watched, uh, you know, a couple documentaries when I was younger and it just brought that issue up. But it was also something that was taught both, um, you know, my family, but also, uh, you know, in school and stuff. It was something that was, and and the way I looked at it was like, why is nothing being done on this? Like, this seems like a pretty big problem for for the whole world, for every people or every person. So I was always like, why, why isn't there being solutions? And I remember even uh, when I was younger, I'd always do. You know, I kind of wanted to be an inventor when I was younger, yeah, yeah. so I would always come up with different uh, different solutions and and like little 
little blueprints and I used to send to my uh to one of my uncles who's an engineer and was like okay. he'd be like yeah yeah this can totally work and it was like it was not working at all <laughs> but uh you know it's just small little things to work through of um and I guess I've kind of kept that same perspective of you know there's there's climate or climate change mm-hmm. um but there's a lot of elements that go into climate change you know if you just say hey we're going to solve climate change that's a huge task that's a there's a lot there, but if you break it down into, you know, there's waste over here. Well, there's a lot that goes into waste. Yeah. There's electronic waste, there's plastic waste, there's paper waste, there's so many different elements of waste. And then you go over, there's energy. Well, there's a lot of different kinds of energy, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's residential energy, there's, you know, institutional, uh, or I, I think commercial energy is the proper way. Um, and then there's there's so many different topics that go into climate change. Uh, and then behavior is kind of an element of it all, right? So I've been really approaching everything from, you know, how can we make the behavior easier or almost the default option uh, to being more sustainable? So I'd say it's kind of just been something I've always kind of been passionate about from since I've remembered, um, kind of being wanting to be an inventor. And at one point I wanted to be an architect too, so I could build yeah. really kind of green buildings, um, you know, Really good building practices, recycled materials, really good insulation, stuff like that. Boring stuff, but but it's things that add up, especially uh, really good insulation is really good for the energy bills. So, um, you know, it's a it's a good money saving option as well. And uh, like, so speaking of inventions, now I'm curious, what was the craziest invention you sent to your uncle? Like, to hey, this is going to save the planet, uncle. You need to design this. Well, uh, it was actually you know one of the things I was looking at was was. And I got this idea from a, a movie I watched or a documentary or something. And now keep in mind, I was like 10 or 11, so, right. yeah. so no judgment. Um, and it was actually a way of saving water in the household was almost, you know, using uh, every time you had a shower or a bath, yeah. that water would be filtered into another like tank, either right beside it or mm-hmm. under. And then it'd be clean. And that's what you would use all the time all for your, your life. Yeah you know, yeah. bath and showers that it'd yeah. just be filtered every time you used it. Um, it doesn't actually work in, in like yeah. a feasibility standpoint, but I think the idea of looking at small little things like that was was good, and it at least started the conversation for me. Uh, that's pretty good. Like, since a young age, you have this ability to, like, maybe, hey, you know, like, I always say, like, uh, uh, Mozart, like, uh, the composer, you know, like... Uh, Back in the days, uh, they would write 800 composition of music, but only one would be known, you know, like one or two or five maximum. So I always say, like, craft your craft, you know, there's maybe one invention that will probably do the thing. And, and you know, if if I may kind of jump, uh, jump the gun a little bit. So one of the, I think, best opportunities of Footprint and Anactus on a, on, for a student is it is a place to try and fail at these things. So... Yeah. You know, speaking of inventions, I kind of look at inventions as projects as well. Um, so when I was a student here, I probably created, we'll say, eight or nine projects. Um, take a guess on how many of those actually did well or are still projects to this day. Um, you know, and I've tried everything. You know, one year I I tried doing plastic water bottle greenhouses. I've tried um, doing... You know, this one I wanted to work and it still can work, I think. It's just a very hard problem logistically is 
is coffee ground soap. So that's an idea of like turning spent coffee grounds into turning it into a soap or something like that. So that's another kind of thing, but whole bunch of different ideas and projects that just didn't work, but it's a great place to, uh, I guess, fail. So, and you can learn yeah. why didn't that project worked out very well. Yeah. Um, so, so that's an, a, a kind of a good way of, you know, inventions, but projects as well. A good place for students to kind of jump into things. Uh, you mentioned that you've watched a couple of do documentaries that help you to actually see the problem of all environmental problems. Can you recommend any documentaries or maybe books, anything like that? Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, there's a lot of documentaries out there. Um, I know, uh, you know, BBC Earth does a whole bunch with, uh, I think it's David Attenborough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's, uh, there's yeah. a lot of National Geographic. So they, they have really um, high end yeah. kind of documentaries with a different bunch of topics. For books, I, I really look at books around sustainability, but also more of the indigenous ways of learning and, and knowing mm -hmm. and living. Um, so a, a good one for that. There's a couple of resources here at the uh, Innovation Hub. There's a couple of good um, books on Indigenous. And then also please check out the Indigenous Center um, down at the Student Life and Innovation Center. Um, but there's a book that I've been, I read last year, actually. It's called Braided Sweetgrass. And it's kind of a, a good look at, at um, kind of combining those two topics together. And really, they're, they're all one topic, you know, how... Um, you know, sustainability is really more, should be looked at as more of a holistic approach. You know, it's kind of something we live on this planet. It's communities that we live in. So why we should strive to make those as sustainable as possible, you know, for us, but also for future people as well. Um, so, yeah, those are some good resources, I think, to check out. Is are there any good documentaries that you guys have watched maybe recently? I didn't watch any documentaries. I've read a book last year, I think, How to Avoid Climate Change. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty good book. Yeah. I've also read that. Yeah, it was a really good one as well. Yeah. Uh, well, let's imagine I'm a student. Mm -hmm. I've never heard about any environmental problems. I, I don't know what does it mean to be sustainable, how to live sustainable. Now I'm listening to this podcast and I'm getting interested how do I start to do my research? How do I, yeah, how to basically get the, this basic idea of sustainability? Yeah, so, so great question. So if you're a student here at St. Lawrence College, a great way for you to get engaged uh, directly with sustainability initiatives is joining the Footprint Club. So you can do that directly from the, the SA uh, Club's website. Uh, you can also do that by just simply emailing me, which I'm sure my email will be available at the end of this, but it's jhook at sl.un.ca. Um, uh, and a uh, secondary way of understanding what's available here at the campus. So, you know, if you go to the St. Lawrence College website, uh, you can also identify, you know, just search up sustainability and you can get to learn all of the initiatives here on campus. So you can get to look at the we call them campus green maps, and basically we have one of each of our three campuses where you can see, hey, there's the reusable mug program. Oh, there's solar panels over here. Oh, did you know this about our buildings? Or, you know, really it's a good way to understand what kind of campus you're living on and what's already made available. So it's a little bit of a, those are hybrid kind of thing where it's, hey, here's some information, but here's how, you know, you can be, um, you know, sustainable as a student. Uh, like, did we, did you know we have a secured bike storage or? Nope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I so 
Um, there's the, the bike racks in the front, but there's also a secured bike storage in the back where, you know. Is, is it near the gym? The gymnasium? Yeah, it's yeah. right near the gym, yeah. and it's kind of right directly outside of the Indigenous Center as well. Um, okay. I, and yeah, uh, right near it is the Indigenous Garden and also kind of a sitting area. So highly recommend that, especially in the summer. It's a really good place to, uh, you know. Lots of pollinators, lots of butterflies, really good place. But anyways, uh, another way to kind of get engaged or stay aware of things on campus is following Footprint at uh, on Instagram. That's where we do a lot of our uh, communications. So, you know, different projects and, you know, you don't need to be in Footprint to participate in projects. So if you see something that's, hey, that's coming up next week, you can just come and, and say, hey, I want to volunteer for this. Um, yeah, so that's you know a really good way for you to get engaged is you don't need to make that commitment sure. um but you can just do one-off projects if you want um that's kind of my approach to kind of helping our student leaders run our club is kind of you know it's not all at once you can as much time as you're able to 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 basically commit to the team um you know, if you're only available to do projects and you don't want to do the meetings or any of the team socials or anything like that, uh, you can just join for the projects or vice versa. If you want to just kind of dip your toes and get familiar with the community of sustainability here at the campus, you can slowly dive into that and then eventually take on a bigger role if you want. So uh, really kind of that's, those are some really good ways to understand, be aware and kind of get engaged with sustainability and footprint uh, at St. Lawrence College. And uh, so it's SLC Footprint, right? On Instagram? Correct, yeah. Yeah, SLC Footprint down there. Do you have any plans for this school year? Any initiatives you would like to implement this school year? Yeah, so this is really, this is the, this is the question that really excites me. Yeah. Uh, so actually coming up, October is our big sustainability month. So we're doing a bunch of collaborations with you know other departments here in the college, but also uh, we're going to be doing with several Queen sustainability teams as well as Sustainable Kingston, which is um, you know kind of Kingston City Kingston's kind of sustainability branch. So uh, we're going to be doing a ton of projects, workshops, um, you know giveaways, whole bunch of different things like that. So. Halloween Harvest is going on in October. The Winter Coat Drive is going to be happening the last week of October, uh, kind of floating into November. There's going to be a Pollinator House Bee Hotel workshop. There's going to be a slow cooker local food kind of workshop and giveaway. Um, there's going to be several initiatives and projects going out with you know Queen's University. So they're going to be doing a lot of different initiatives as well that SLC students are invited and welcome to to join. Okay. Um, and when when is that particular event? Uh, so there's it's going to be all month all, long. So we're really wow. it's really a whole yeah. collaboration. There's probably yeah. you know probably seven or eight different organizations that we're all kind yeah. of partnering together. Um, you know later this week there'll be actually a schedule uh, a kind of a calendar going mm -hmm. out of all the different activities and events that students can directly get engaged with. You know registration links, stuff like that. We're also doing, uh, in partnership with uh, the Innovation Hub Spark, uh, a sustainability sprint. So that's going to be a week-long kind of, you know, how's the best way to describe a sprint? So basically, it's going to be kind of a social media campaign, uh, but there's also going to be a physical element where basically we're going to be challenging you with daily prompts every single day for one week. Uh, 
you know, things like, hey, get coffee with a reusable mug, save 10 cents, you know, show us the price that you that you yeah. Yeah, that you saw um, different prompts every single day. They're still to be determined. We're still working on kind of the, the back end, but that's a way of, you know, learning more about the initiatives, but also kind of engaging. And there's going to be lots of giveaways for that, um, you know, bamboo cutlery, rocket book kind of reusable notebooks. Uh, some other things that we're that I have in plan that are kind of more sustainability driven, maybe some, you know, really nice, unique, pretty, uh, reusable mugs. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of different things like that. So sustainability month's going to be a big win. Um, November, we're planning on doing a community electronic waste drive. So we're going to do that I do, right now where it's just Kingston, but we might look at Cornwall and Brockville for November as well. And that's a good way for students to get kind of a volunteer. It's going to be on a Saturday, so I don't know how much I, I don't like asking students for their uh, for their Saturday, but it is a really good day of of you know getting out there, get, getting involved in the community, and um, yeah, just a really fun day. Hopefully, it doesn't rain. There's nah, that's we we a, we do seem to get uh, it's almost like a little curse. You know, we've done about yeah. four community e-waste drives, and every single time, it's always. Uh like a monsoon or something Oof. crazy that happens. So hopefully, you know, this next one, it's just, it's going to be a little cold because it's November, but hopefully it's just like a normal cold day. That would be the best, you know, nothing blowing away, nothing, you know, not just crazy rain. So hopefully we get lucky this year. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about all of this actually. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be lots of footprint meetings and kind of social events yeah. and, and ways for students to kind of uh, propose different things that they want to work on as well. Thinking about doing in, in October as well, uh, kind of a pitch competition of different sustainability uh, ideas and projects that we want to kind of jump into. Um, and Actus will support that as well as uh, footprint. Lots of things to get engaged with. Yeah, there's a lot of new projects, I think, which is going already like next month, which is in a few days. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah in October and November as well. And uh, anything planned for next year, 2023? What yeah. resolution? <laughs> yeah. Already speaking in advance. Yeah. So, up. you know, part of my, my job is yeah. looking at the future and what yeah. we're going to do. So for March, we already do have our... That's kind of our annual uh, community e-waste drive is in March. Uh, it's only this year we're moving it to also November. Um, so that's going to be planned. There's a few things like, um, oh, I don't know how much I want to jump into that. But yeah, there's, gonna, there's definitely plans for uh, energy saving projects. There's going to be some uh, waste saving projects. So we're really going to use and observe some of the data from this semester to make um, kind of informed decisions on what projects we're going to do for next semester. So it's really understanding kind of the data of seeing all these students on campus. That's something that we haven't had in three years or so. So really, we want to understand what the behaviors are now so we can make those changes for kind of next next year. So really, next year is really looking at the waste, at the data. You know, how are we going to, uh, you know, make those changes here? So it's almost the students and the data themselves that is going to drive the projects for next year. Uh, from my side, like I have more hypothetical mm -hmm. questions. Yeah. So imagine like uh, tomorrow, like you you can implement any project you want mm -hmm. at SLC, sustainable one, or ecological, or even like in general, 
what would you implement tomorrow? You have no restriction, you can do whatever you want. What would you do? Oof. Ideally, it'd just be putting in, um, honestly, it'd be putting in more kind of energy, uh, renewable energy sources here on the campus. So that would be my goal, like, you know, more solar panels, um, maybe looking at more geothermal sources, maybe looking at, um, you know, wind turbines a little, you know, we have a lot of campus space, but I don't think we have enough for wind turbine, but it'd be cool to look at, you know, maybe there's there other solutions for, for wind. Um, that would be my goal is really making the college and campus, which is already energy efficient, uh, even more, you know, zero waste. Um, I'm also a big proponent of making our campus zero waste. Uh, so I really want to work on projects that work with small little, you know, when looking at waste, yeah, you want to look at the totality, but also, you know, where is it coming from direct sources? So that's where sorting and, and all the backend work does a lot of, you know, it does us a lot of good of, you know, we can identify this place as a really big waste potential. Over here, there's limited waste, but but not just ignoring those. So like, why is it limited? Can we make it even more limited than it was? So look at our, um, I think, um, our um, hair salon, Dynamic Designs, uh, have a partnership with Green Circle Salons, where basically the salon is pretty much zero waste. I think the number is 95%. Um, but basically zero waste. So, you know, you wouldn't see that if you're just looking at the total waste numbers, but seeing, you know, individual pockets of the college, I think is a really good way of um, looking at it. So I'd love to implement more projects like that, making one department, one program, you know, more eco-friendly, more kind of, uh, you know, net zero almost. And uh, I have another one. So, Imagine like uh, tomorrow, like this is pushing it a bit more further. Like tomorrow, you're like, oh, I get to implement any project. I'm like at UNESCO. I'm like uh, United Nations. Mm -hmm. I want this for the world. Like, what would you do? Jaden is the CEO of the world. <laughs> what would you implement? Well, I'd really look at you know one of the biggest opportunities for climate action is in transportation. Um, so I'd really look at how can we make public transit more viable across the world. Um, you know, in a lot of places it is already kind of the normal part of their culture. Um, but in a lot of places it's, it's very car centric, you know, cities are built around cars, not people almost. So I'd really look at transportation as one of those key fields. And, and that, that does include, you know, how do we make electronic vehicles more viable? Um, but I'd really want to focus on that public transit, you know, really good um, rail systems, you know, trains, um, you know, carpooling even as, a, as an option, um, buses, of course, walking areas, walkable cities, biking, um, you know, making those things more accessible, I think would be a big chunk or it would help eliminate a lot of the waste already on the uh, in the world. And I think I believe uh, from the last time I looked at the total waste of the, the, the world, I believe transportation was the number one kind of big industry to um, to look at. Or at least it's one of them. And then energy is also a big one as well. I think Kingston can be a pretty good bikeable city regarding the size of how it is. Like, you know, close maybe some roads, you know, make it 100% just by bikes. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have those, like uh, I, when I stayed in Bordeaux, we had uh, Rue Saint-Catherine, which was uh, uh, a bikeable 
alley, you know, mm-hmm. like you cannot put your car inside of it, basically it's closed. So it's only from, I think from seven, before 7 a.m. for businesses who are on that alley, they can bring, they are, they should own a business basically to be in that alley. And then they should go before 7 a.m. So mm-hmm. that's how it works. And then again, it's at, at 6 p.m. at night, then you can bring it back. But then again, it closes, but there's a time that a car are minimally allowed into it. So and that's all basically ways. And I love the street promenade for that reason. Mm-hmm. In Kingston, like they close like the main street and you could walk basically in the street, you know, freely without yeah. having cars trying to, oh, will there be a car anyways? Like you can just walk mm-hmm. freely. So those days, like I think it needs to happen more often. But like you say, I think like a redesigning cities is a big challenge. How do you not destroy what's already in place to reconstruct uh, something? So there's a lot to think about. Yeah. There's, there's, and it, that's really kind of a user experience problem as well. Like, you know, how do we make things more accessible for people? Um, you know, it's not just about how can we, you know, it's not just about parking and, yeah, you know, making yeah. things easier to get around by car, but kind of, you know, building systems around all methods of transportation as well, because it makes it a more accessible city as well. Um, like also like talking about cars is, like the reliability on cars, like I can switch on my car at 4 a.m. I'm driving somewhere. So maybe like having more stations really like uh, have, for example, in Kingston, like the bus stops at 11 p.m. at night. So mm-hmm. for me, that every time I go out downtown, that's a big uh, issue for me to like, oh, how I need to pay for an Uber basically to get back home at 2 a.m. when I go out to pubs and every stuff like that. So. Yeah, it would be great to have public transit happen more often, especially for, you know, when you when you do want to go out as a, you know, as a student or, or really, you know, I know there's a lot of students and just people that work past 10 p.m. or 12 a.m. I know my partner recently was was doing work past uh, past 12 a.m. and basically relied on Uber or a taxi or if a friend happened to have a car. Uh, to get home, which is kind of like a, you it's know, a that's a huge chunk of money. Yeah, it's a huge sorry. chunk of money, yeah, and, and also wastes. Yeah, and it's it's wasteful, but you know, really making and that that's really making it part of the culture because if more people want that service there or are taking public transit, it's gonna mean it's going all night long. You know, look at the big cities like I believe New York's is twenty four oh, hours. Um, yeah. There, that's kind of a, a really dynamic public transit system. Not saying it's perfect or anything. I'm sure people it's, from there probably have a lot of a uh, lot of things to say. Yeah. But um, you know, not everything's going to be built perfectly as well. I think humans have to realize that we're not perfect, yeah. um, so we can't expect everything we make to be perfect. You know, nature is perfect. We're not perfect. True. But. And I do believe like nature is perfect. And also like speaking because I think there's a huge demand for really transit to be like twenty four not twenty four but at least most of the hours. Because considering the house where I stay, like uh one of them is a PSW worker, one of them is a security officer. So uh, we are four people. One of them is, works at a uh, dog shelter. Mm-hmm. So basically she needs to work at four AM. So they go to work at eleven PM. So basically most people in Kingston mm-hmm. are more oriented that was working at night sometimes. So to run nurses also sometimes who go there, uh, they're like huge chunk of the economy of Kingston really. So I think that could be something to be pitched off. Like, I don't know why. Do you mm-hmm. know why basically there's no transit after that time or? 
I'm yeah. I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I don't know the direct reason yeah. or anything, assumption. but okay. the assumption is that maybe there's just not the demand for it because it, it does cost yeah. the city a yeah. decent amount of money to mm -hmm. uh, to run transit at that point because you have to pay for everything related to the bus, but also the bus driver. Uh, yeah. And we don't want to, you know, um, so so really there is a decent amount of expenses with kind of public transit at, at night. So there really has to be that need. And um, I think getting those overnight is also hard because it's also, you know, there's no traffic really. So it's a lot faster to get anywhere by car as opposed to, you know, you can use public transit during rush hour to kind of avoid rush hour. You know, it's much easier sitting in rush hour if you're not the one driving or, or yeah. anything like that. So, um, you know, the, those those elements of, you know, benefits of taking public transit are not as prevalent at night sometimes, but it should still be the sustainability option and also the cost-effective option uh, for a lot of people. So I'd love to see that kind of implemented through, you know, Kingston, but also kind of a lot of the world as well. You know, really dynamic, good public transit infrastructure systems. And uh, also, like, uh, it's more like more like quick fire questions, which mm -hmm. is to know more about you yeah. as a person. What is one pet peeve which people do? Uh, it can be sustainably related or in general that people do that you don't like. That's a hard question. That might be the hardest. <laughs> um, I guess just um, in general, not really sustainability question is just when uh, I don't know, I guess just people, you know, um, disrespectful people, uh, I guess is my biggest pet peeve. But, you know, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm usually a pretty smiley kind of guy. I like to be pretty, you know, I don't want to just say overly positive. I'm not just, you know, bursting with joy all the time. I know that. But but trying to do, you know, I try to be as friendly as I can to, to people around me. So when I don't see that kind of a pet peeve or, or even just small little things like, you know, not, not watching where you're going and you're just running into people and just kind of being inconsiderate of your surroundings. Uh, that can be a pet peeve of mine. I don't like watching someone just barge into someone uh, just because yeah. they're not paying attention. Oh, and they're throwing and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. And they're just, you know, yeah. basically throwing shoulders at people, you know, that can be a pet peeve. Yeah. Um, I guess when uh, people, want to really no i don't know i i don't really have a lot of pet peeves if i'm being honest i guess um, i have lots of them i can do it do you, do you want to dive into uh, them? no <laughs> i don't want to dive <laughs> but this is like oh so much but uh yeah i have a new one each week i have a new one basically so basically there's that stairs to come um to vsa to innovation hub mm -hmm. so basically like uh, in, when I live in Paris, we would have those escalators, you know. So to be able, if you want to stand and wait for the escalator to bring you up, you can. And we leave one space free for people who are busy and so that they can walk quickly. And there's one thing here with that stairs that we will have a group of people walking on the same steps. So and they walk slowly. It's they're always because they're in a conversation, yeah. you know. So and I'm busy. I'm I need to go to work or I need to rush to a class. So I have to like. Hey, excuse me, I need to go in. I have always two bags, a gym bag and the, so I'm like, yeah, it's already painful. So, so that's my new pet peeve of the week. It might be a series on the podcast. Pet peeve of Sean of the week. So yeah, uh, that's one <laughs> Let's of my Let's bring little, it in. 
Let's bring it in. That's my pet peeve of a week. So I, I also have that. Uh, now that you've brought it up, I do also have that pet peeve. It's almost like people, you know, one yeah. way up, one way yeah, down. Yeah, because like, some people actually understand it. Like, hey, this is for way up, this is for way down. So everybody walks freely like they want. So, yeah. But some people are just like, oh, yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, anyways, like, what is one movie which you personally love, which people might not love, that you will force me to watch? Oh, I'm not a huge movie watcher. I got to mm. be honest. I'm I'm always TV, show? TV shows. I mean, right now it's House of the Dragon. Yeah. Huge House of the Dragon fan. Um, so that's been that's something highly recommend watching that. You don't need to watch Game of Thrones either. So mm. if you didn't, you don't want to do eight seasons of that. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Um, movies. I mean, I, I like Star Wars. Like I'm a big Star Wars guy. Um, yeah, I'm not a big movie. I can't remember the last time. I think the last time I went to the movies for uh, for anything, I think it was actually Star Wars. So I uh, don't even have a... I, I actually am a sucker for uh, romantic comedies. You know, those can be good ones. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm not a big movie guy, but yeah, TV shows definitely is more my, more my thing. Um, the new cyberpunk show is, is also... Or, is that a movie? I can't think it's just uh the new uh it's called cyberpunk edge runners that's that's really good as well yeah. um but yeah house of the dragon is what i'm watching right now and uh, what is one uh, guilty food uh, which you love to have guilty food yeah like you know it's not good for you but no, i'm going to have it anyways i mean as simple as it is i'd say like um i, I like i like bread a lot you know, bread. out bread dishes. So that includes pizza, uh, yeah. bruschetta. Um, I have a lot of that actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I like. I eat a lot of bread, which is probably my my biggest uh, yeah. probably calorie and carb kind of big thing. There is, you know, I love just like uh, I like making my own bread. I love, oh. uh, you yeah. know, I love sourdough. I love all kinds of different. Uh, Bread. So I'd say bread as a as a food yeah. item and then using things with it uh, is kind of my guilty guilty pleasure. And um, do you so you make your own bread? Yeah, I have. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. That's uh, any particular bread which you love to make? Uh, I generally I try my best. I'm not very good at yeah. it yet. I'm not an avid bread maker, uh, but I have made a, a focaccia, um, but regular just kind of general basic white bread i'm just trying to dip my hands in i'm yeah. trying to be more of a baker you know baker seems like it's a lot of fun i like it it's it's time consuming though and it i'm messy enough as a person in the kitchen you know i'm when i cook oh, it's yeah. I, I try to clean as i go but i'm kind of all over the place a little you know i spill some things here and there so like it takes a lot of the kitchen space up when i, when I do that Definitely, like when you work with flour, it's bound to. Oh yeah, it's all over my my shirt. It's on the ground. It, it's it's so much of a cleanup after that. One tip, if I can give you, you know, working back in hospitality, uh, we have this process of marche en avant, which is uh, in English like a, a walk forward. So basically, everything which needs to be prepared at the stage one, that is cutting, uh, or mm -hmm. like uh, taming the flour. So everything which needs 
role preparation, you do that, and then you move afterwards. It can be meet. Yeah. Uh, so then you go straight into that line of command so that you don't waste time, you don't waste space as well. So it will always go like this in that way, so, so that you never get back to. That's basically what I do. Also, in terms of cooking, I try to cook. T- if I need to cook two things at the same time, they go at the same time. Mm-hmm. And between the cooking, I try to wash. So that's basically how I save time and every stuff like that when I cook. I I, I worked at, at McDonald's for a few yeah. years. And so like clean as you go is like yeah. one of the biggest things there. So yeah. it's almost like ingrained in my head of yeah. like, oh, I should do this while I'm waiting for that yeah. to cook. And, and, uh, and so I'm rushing in and I'm like, oh, no, that's burned. So no, <laughs> like, because I've been doing, you know, I've been cleaning over here. And then so it can get kind of hectic at times. And then I end up creating more mess because I'm rushing all the Wow, Jason, that has been an amazing resourceful podcast in terms of myself, you know, learning how to be more sustainable about new projects, Halloween harvest. I'm looking forward to it. I'm it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be hype. Yeah. And looking forward to that costume as well, which you're going to wear. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we can reach uh, SLC footprint on SLC footprint on Instagram. We will have the email of Jaden right there. And also don't forget to like, share and subscribe if you love this episode. Uh, it's SA Voice Podcast on Instagram, a voice podcast on YouTube. And thank you again for watching the episode. And it's always every Tuesday, 2 p.m. And tune in next week for a new episode of SA Voice Podcast for more unique information about SLC or unique students as well. And if you want to be a guest, drop us a message on Instagram. Simple as that. And we'll send you an email. And have again an amazing week at SLC. See you soon next week. Tune in. Bye-bye.